Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. And we're going to be diving into 1 Corinthians 15 because as we continue in this Heaven series, we really want to get a sense of what, what will each of us be like. Last week, Pastor Rich was here and he described heaven as being a place like the greatest home that you could ever imagine. You're going to feel like you are finally and truly home in heaven in a way that no temporary home here on earth is ever going to be able to even be a shadow of. But in heaven, we're also going to experience glorified bodies. I don't know if you've ever heard of that term before, but um, our, our bodies are going to be changed, the Bible tells us, and they're going to be different. And so we are going to be different. We're still going to have physical bodies, uh, Job writes that when he sees God after the resurrection, he says, I will see him with my own eyes. It will be a body of matter, just like our bodies are made of matter now, made of the dirt of the earth. But it will be changed, as we read a little bit later in 1 Corinthians 15. We want to talk about what that will look like and why it's so important, even for our life now, to reflect on what are these bodies of ours uh, going to look like. Because it will be part of a physical existence that will also be simultaneously the most highly spiritual existence that you will ever experience. So let's take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. I, I broke it up for us this morning. We're going to start with just the first three, uh, four verses, 35 to 38. Let me set this up for you. Uh, over, um, over Thanksgiving, we talked about a congregation in Jerusalem shortly after the day of Pentecost that really had their act together. The Holy Spirit was just permeating everything that they did. On Thanksgiving evening, we talked about how, uh, or the Thanksgiving Eve, uh, we talked about how they were sharing everything they had. They were loving one another. Well, this congregation, Corinth, is a whole other story, and I shared that with you briefly on Wednesday night. Corinth is a mess, and I'm, I'm just imagining what, the Apostle Paul, who is their, their um, founding pastor, you know, he started this church in a hotel, and uh, just like Pastor Dan said, and he got this thing going, and he's actually it was probably started in someone's house, and it, it got started, and it blooms, and it blossoms. Some people come from Rome. They've actually been kicked out of Rome. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila. They're kicked out of Rome's be- Rome because they have been labeled as Jews, and they're being persecuted for being Jewish. They land in Corinth. It's a very cosmopolitan city, a city of trade. And the people uh, have to contend all the time with all sorts of uh, different idolatrous teachings and different gods, and there are so many competing philosophies. And remember, this is Greece. So this is the place of the great Socrates and Plato. There are a lot of just philosophical ideas floating around. And Paul is introducing them to Christ in his resurrection, and he is trying to get the teachings of Christ to permeate their hearts and their mind. And there's a lot of conflict. Some people are saying, well, I follow Paul. 
And others are saying, well, I follow Apollos or Priscilla and Aquila or, or Jesus. And there's a lot of division. In the chapter right before this chapter, chapter 14, Paul is yelling at them about their worship practices and how they can't get their act together and worship and just have an orderly worship service that people can understand. And then he comes to this chapter, chapter 15, and it's known, just like 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the great love chapter of the Bible. And by the way, same letter. And why is he talking so poetically about love? Because he really feels these guys are not getting what love really is. Two chapters later, he comes to 1 Corinthians 15. It's really kind of, it's the second to last chapter of the book. And the last chapter of of 1 Corinthians 16 is really devoted to greetings and passing on uh, words of of, uh, love from this place where he is to to Corinth. So it's, it's really winding down in 16. This is the high point, 1 Corinthians 15. This is the absolute apex of this letter to the Corinthians. And what he's really saying to them and to us, is everything circles around the resurrection. And not just for the next life, but also for this life, as we'll see in the very last passage that we'll study today. This life is very much based in the fact that one day you will rise from your grave and spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. So let's dig in the first four verses. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So Paul says, of course we're going to have questions about the resurrection. And I love the way Paul teaches because when people have questions, he doesn't just push them aside or ignore them or say, you know, that's not really important. He does what every good teacher does. He brings out those questions. He brings them to the fore. And even though he can't perfectly answer every question, he wants to at least acknowledge those questions. And so he says, someone's going to ask, how are we going to look when we, when we rise from the dead? What, what kind of body are we going to have? And he initially answers this. In fact, he answers this through several metaphors. But his initial metaphor is a metaphor of, think of a seed. When, when you plant a seed, it has, Paul says, one kind of body. And that body, a little kind of lifeless looking piece of, something that looks like a sliver of wood, you put it into the ground and it kind of just dissipates and disappears. And pretty soon there doesn't seem to be much of anything there. And then all of a sudden you notice emerging out of one end of the seed, a little shoot, a little green spot, and then a little shoot. And then when the body comes out of that seed, Paul says, does it look anything like the seed? Paul says it looks completely differently. The plant, the body of the plant is very different from the body of the seed. Early Christians used to use the picture of a caterpillar. And they would say the resurrection is going to be like a caterpillar. It goes into its cocoon and it's just a worm. has a bunch of little legs and it crawls around and most of them are pretty ugly. But what happens after it spends some time 
in the cocoon. It emerges, right? And what does it look like? It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's the butterfly. It has amazing capabilities. It's completely different from the worm that entered the cocoon. But guess what? It's the same material. It's the same matter. It's the same cells. They've simply been reorganized, right? So Pastor Jeff is saying we're all going to be butterflies in heaven? The illustration is just to say you're going to have a physical body. In heaven, you will have a physical body. Sometimes people picture heaven as everybody is just a ghost, a spirit in heaven. But the Bible is very clear. I I quoted Joe earlier. And in many other places, the Bible teaches us our physical bodies will be resurrected and reunited with our souls. And, and then in heaven, we will enter heaven with, with both together after judgment day. And, and yet to ask the question, what will that glorified body, and glorified meaning now it has received glory from God and honor. Think about this. Do you and I deserve glory? Do we deserve it? Clearly the answer is no, right? Because when we look honestly at ourselves, we know the sins that are in our hearts, in our minds, the things that we've said, moments of anger and frustration, how we've let it fly. Sometimes during moments of worry and anxiety, how our faith in God has gone down and we're like, oh, I don't, you know, I just, I don't know if God's going to get me through this one. Maybe we're experiencing illness or, or, or we're worried about a family member, or we checked our bank account this week, and we're like, oh, how is it going to ever, how are we going to make ends meet? And worry just over, to, and we know that's sinful to doubt this God that is taking care of us this whole time, and yet we struggle with our sins. And so we know we don't deserve glory, but here's, here's the beautiful thing, and this is why you will have a glorified body. And I love thinking about this. All the glory that Jesus deserves, he's just going to take all that glory and pass it down to each one of us. And he's going to say, they deserve glory, not because of what they've done, but because I am giving them my deserved glory. When you enter heaven, you are going to be truly glorious and glorified. That's what the Bible promises us. And that's all because of Jesus' forgiveness, all because of Jesus' love, all because of the cross, all because of the empty tomb. So what that's going to exactly look like, the first point Paul simply wants to make is, here's why you don't have to worry. Even though we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, and even though I'm telling you, just as a plant is completely different from a seed, it's going to be that different. Here's what we know. Who designed that new body that you'll receive in heaven? Who crafted that body? Do you see what Paul says to the Corinthians? Verse 38, but God gives it a body, underline these words, as he has determined. Who designs your heavenly body? God. And and do you know what it even says about this body on this side of eternity? Psalm 139 says, David is praising God. He says, God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And he's talking about this body now. 
He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Even now, God, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by you. So imagine, Paul says, as much more wonderful as as a plant is than just a little piece of wood, a seed. That's how much more wonderful our bodies in heaven are going to be, and they're going to be specially designed and woven together by God. God's the master designer of our new bodies in heaven. Now, Paul goes on to answer this question, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? That's the question. And in verse 39, he says, not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another Birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. So you you can hear his argument here is, don't worry too much what that body is going to look like. It's just going to be different, and that should not surprise us because even if we look around us here, we see different kinds of bodies. Some large stars, some small stars, and there's a sun and the moon, and those are all types of a physical body that God has created, but they're all different in splendor. They're all different in size. And then he says, look at nature. People have one kind of body, animals have one kind of body, birds have another, and fish another. Verse 42, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. And if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. I'm going to pause right there because he's really pointing us to something super important. When God created Adam, he took dirt. And he breathed life into that dirt, and that dirt became Adam. Essentially, that's what all of us are. We are dirt that has had a soul, a spirit, breathed into us by God. And he says, that's the way our natural body is. And now Adam and Eve, as we all know, fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. They rebelled against God, and that sin has infested and infected our bodies now and and really determined how our bodies are weak and broken, how we have hurts and pains constantly, how we can't get up from the chair anymore without our knees creaking, all that kind of stuff, right? Because once sin is in the world, God told Adam and Eve what will also be in the world. Help me. What will also be in the world? Death. Right? So the moment you're born, you're dying. And if I were to bring a wedding picture of Julie and me up here and put it up on the screen, I didn't want to do that to myself or my wife. From 30 years ago, you would go, yep, that's right, Jeff's dying. Right? Because... It's way different looking. Just trust me on that. So that's the way it is. Now, he says, but there's another man after Adam. 
Another very important man after Adam, right? So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, who's that? Help me. It's Jesus, isn't it? A life-giving spirit. See, Jesus came down, and, and as, as God, he is a spirit. The Bible tells us that God is spiritual. He is a spirit being. But he came down, and he became not just true God, and not just spiritual, but he became physical. He became a human being, fully man and fully God at one and the same time. And he did that so that he could suffer and die for us. And in suffering and dying, taking the punishment, the wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. By taking that on himself, he became a life-giving spirit to us. The spiritual did not come first, because Adam came first, not Jesus. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man, Jesus, is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those of the earth. This is how we are by nature. We are of the earth. Our desires are earthly. And we find ourselves many times trapped by our earthly desires, don't we? In fact, one of the words that the Bible uses for sinful desires and sinful nature that we all carry around is flesh. That's your sinful flesh. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are also are those who are of heaven. When you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are drawn into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you're called by the Holy Spirit through the gospel, through baptism, when you're gathered to Jesus, meaning brought into God's family. I'm so thrilled because on the patio this morning, I had a, a dad come up to me with a newborn baby and say, Pastor, I want my baby to be baptized. And guess what, Pastor? I want to be baptized on the same day that my baby is baptized. Isn't that going to be awesome? We're going to do that in a couple of weeks. You bet. It's going to be really cool. That's how we are drawn in by the Holy Spirit into God's family, Right? And then we're enlightened, the Bible tells us. We're given insight into spiritual wisdom. We get to know who God really is and how much he loves us. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. The moment we're drawn into faith, we begin to change. The Holy Spirit lives in us. If you read the Bible, in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the acts of the sinful nature, the acts of the flesh. And they're completely, completely different From the acts of the new man, the acts of the spirit, it's called. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those are the things that begin to grow in us as as we become spiritual people. Flip your notes over. Now, when you enter heaven, you're going to have this body, but it is going to be completely like Jesus in in spirit, in soul, it is going to be spiritual, meaning it is going to constantly bear fruits of the spirit. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness that we, we hear about in Galatians 5. So as we read here and we hear Paul say, your new body is going to be spiritual. What I want to make sure you understand is it doesn't mean it won't have 
something physical to it or it won't be material. Because the Bible's really clear on this point. Your new body will be made of matter. But when it says it will be a spiritual body, it means you will be completely filled and inhabited by the Holy Spirit so that you will no longer be tempted to go back and fall and cave into your sinful nature, your, your old Adam, your flesh. You'll live completely according to the image of Christ. And in that way, you'll be a spiritual person. Isn't it amazing that we are going to be freed from all the shackles of sin? And that this body that we receive in heaven is going to be described as something far better. Now, I know people have a lot of questions about this. So, for example, how old will my body be in heaven, right? Do I get to pick an age? Have you got your age picked out in heaven? Will we be able to recognize each other? Will we, will we know our loved ones in heaven? How much will our brains retain from our former life? And there have been all sorts of answers to these questions, uh, you know, given throughout the years. And to be honest, we really don't know all the answers to these questions. But again, just as Paul is doing here, we can compare. So if you notice what Paul is doing, he's saying, You've seen things like this. You've seen a seed become a plant. So you understand that the body of the seed and the body of the plant may change dramatically and that that's what, that will happen to you when you go to heaven. He said, you've seen all various kinds of bodies. You understand the difference, he says, between Adam and Jesus. And all of these are beautiful pictures of how much different we're going to be in heaven. And we can understand then a little bit by what we have now. So say for example this. We do understand the beauties of our body now, don't we? Do you know for example that just one part of your body has 107 million cells your 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 eyes that are all devoted to seeing. And if you remember from your uh, biology class, inside you have cones and rods, various cells. And there are only 7 million of the 107 million uh, that are called cones that see color in bright light. But despite the fact that only 7 out of 107 million, we see a full spectrum. In fact, God has created this body now so that we can enjoy and interpret and distinguish between over a thousand different shades of color. That's how God has made us now. And that's, that's not to mention all the other parts of our body, how we can distinguish sound with our ears, how when I pull off my shoes, I can wiggle my toes, and the, the little bones, if they were exposed in your toes, would be about the, half the circumference of a, of a pencil, and yet they can bear up my entire 190 pounds with no problem. Just amazing to think if, 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 if we run the bottom of our fingers along the top of our hand, how the, the nerve receptacles pick that up and send messages to our brains. How even when we get all these different messages, hearing things, seeing things, they all go to our brain and the brain sorts them all out and puts them all together and interprets them for us. That's our body now. 
Now, in this very imperfect, sinful, and fallen world, imagine what our physical body is going to be like in heaven. It is going to be amazing. Let's go on. My new body will be far different, far better than anything I could ever dream of. That's your filling at the top of the second page. Paul says this in verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. This is something he says that might be difficult to understand, even hidden from some people. He calls it a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. What he means by that is Jesus is going to return. And we don't know when that return is going to happen. Jesus himself tells us it's going to be like a thief in the night. But he says, whether you're still here when judgment day comes or you precede judgment day by dying, he says it doesn't matter really at the end of the day because we're all going to be raised from our grave and we'll all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, in an instant before you'll even realize it, you're going to look at yourself and go, Holy cow, look at this. Imagine that moment when you see your glorified body for the first time. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Will you underline that that phrase? We will all be changed. All who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior through faith in him will receive glorified bodies. 52 in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed somewhere in the column there i want you to write down another reference first thessalonians 4 16 to 18 describes this moment paul writes to the thessalonians and i didn't didn't have room to put this in your notes but just listen and if you have your bibles with you you can open up for the lord himself will come down from heaven paul says To the Thessalonians. So imagine, here comes Jesus descending from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left on that day will be caught up together with them in the clouds. I think I said this several weeks ago. If one day you're walking along and you find yourself flying in the air all of a sudden, it's judgment day. Okay, just know that. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul goes on, go back to the passage that's in your crosswalk notes. This is what's going to happen. Verse 53. What's perishable now, these bodies must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. What can die in heaven will not be able to die. It will go on forever. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. What a moment that's going to be. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? When are you going to get this amazing new body? This glorified spiritual body that that Paul talks about, well, it all begins on the very best day of your life. And you know what the best day of your life is? The day of your death. 
Because on the day of your death, your soul will be separated from your body. Your body will be left behind here for a short while, at least a short while in God's sight. Your soul will go immediately to be with God and enjoy heaven until the great day of judgment when Christ will return. And he'll bring you with him. And your body will rise from its grave and you will be reunited with this body and it will be a glorious body. What Paul has described to us completely different, like a butterfly is different from a caterpillar, like the body of a plant or a flower is different from the body of a seed. And it is going to be amazing. And that's why Paul goes on to conclude this section. He says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, and here's where it comes down. He says, you think I'm talking about this thing that's out there. But he says, I want you to know this is really about right now, today. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Because you know what's coming. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I want you to think about what Paul was trying to accomplish with these Corinthians for all the right reasons. For Jesus, he was trying to accomplish this. You see, he's talking about a glorified body, but he's talking to a people in a congregation in Corinth that are to be the body of Christ. And they're divided. They're, they're arguing. They're, they're bitter against one another. They're being selfish. And while at one time he is talking about the body that will be in heaven, he is talking to the body of Christ that is right here, right now. Some of them apparently are throwing up their arms and say, I give up. I can't do this Jesus thing anymore. I, I'm not doing it. It's just way easier to go back and live the way I used to live, follow the gods I used to follow, be all about me. I don't want to do this Jesus thing anymore. And Paul says, therefore, dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you from Jesus, from following Jesus, from being faith-filled and faithful. Notice what he goes on to say to this body of Christ in Corinth, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And he's not just saying that to a church of 2,000 years ago. He's saying that to Crosswalk Church today. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Can I just be honest with you? This church does not function nor does any congregation or church function without people who are filled with the Spirit, filled with hope that one day they will receive a glorified body in love with Jesus because Jesus loved them and they know it. They know what Jesus did for them at the cross. And filled with that love, those people are firm and immovable And they give themselves fully to the work of the Lord. Let me illustrate that. Do you think you'd notice if you came to Crosswalk one Sunday 
and there was no one out there to smile at you, shake your hand, and greet you? Maybe more importantly, do you think our guests would notice the difference? What if one Sunday we didn't have someone back there to run these beautiful slides for me? And we just had to come up and say, you know what, sorry, we're just going to do our best this Sunday. Um, Hopefully you can get through it. I'll tell you what the fill-ins are. We'd make it by, wouldn't we? But would we miss them? What if um, there were no people willing to go over and work in children's ministry with five-year-olds or middle schoolers or back there with the band that we sometimes hear their music permeating into our auditorium? How would those kids grow to know Jesus? What if instead of the six that we have up here today, we had Jonathan strumming his guitar and we said, well, that's what we've hired him to do. The rest of us really don't need to do this work. I just don't believe that we as the body of Christ can come through unless every person believes what Paul is saying here is true. That we, all of us together, are the body of Christ. That little toe bone, half the size of a pencil, two or three of those go away and I have a way different experience standing up. Way different. And some of you are saying, well, I'm not really needed. Clearly, they're getting everything done. It's okay. I can just show up at church, and I I, I don't really need to be part of the body of Christ. Listen to what Paul is telling all of us. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you do in the body of Christ is not empty. That's what in vain means. It's not meaningless. In fact, Paul is using a negative to emphasize a positive. And you know what the positive that he's emphasizing is? When you volunteer in the body of Christ, when you help, when you you work to make sure your church and your congregation happens, no matter what you're doing, it's important work. It's important work because who knows but what that first-time guest who's warmly welcomed and smiled at, and their hand is shaken by a greeter, says, man, this is a friendly church. You know what all the research says? A person decides on their first visit to a church whether or not they're going to come back to church in the first 11 minutes. Thank goodness for that, because they haven't had to listen to a long, boring sermon in the first 11 minutes. Right? Right? But how important are the people at the resource center? Right now we have a resource center. Quite honestly, it's manned by one person. And, and that's where at the gate, if someone wants information about something at Crosswalk, I go, just go over there to the resource center. We stand together. And whatever we do at Crosswalk, tech team, resource center, greeter, children's ministry, Phil can always use help with those teenagers. Come on, man. You know how it is working with teenagers whom we love. Musicians, we are the body of Christ. 
And every one of us is important, and our labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's one other thing that I want to say that is so pertinent for today. Let's take a look at these last verses. Therefore, before, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that victory is going to look like? Here's, here's your fill-ins. You're going to go, God tells us, to the next level. And your next level destiny is going to be one in which, if you go back to verses 42, 43, and 44, your body is going to be indestructible, gifted with glory, powerful, and most of all, spiritual. Now, we've talked about that. But let me tell you why that's so important. Because our bodies right now are none of those. And when Paul goes on after that to say he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, he's really teaching us to say that even though right now our bodies are destructible and they're not very glorious and often they're weak and all the time we're not very spiritual. Paul's saying one day you're gonna, it's all going to change and it's going to be great. So right now, whatever you're going through, Rest in that. Rest in the victory that Jesus Christ has won for you. If right now you are going through an illness or an injury, and you're saying to yourself, I wish my body was not so weak. If, if you're that person that has hit the magic 40 or the magic 50, right, which is the new 20, which is really not the new 20, And your knees creak and your eyes don't see anymore and your ears can't hear because you listened to too much rock music when you were younger. And I'm not talking about myself. Maybe a little bit. Just know. Because it's easy at that point to go, this stinks. This is horrible. My body is giving out. And I hate it. If you have a loved one that has cancer or, or, or a disease that you go, they're going to have to live with this disease and this disease stinks and I don't know how they're going to make it. Or, or that's you. Maybe that's you. I want you to leave here today knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt, God's got a new body waiting for you that is going to be amazing because it is going to be indestructible and glorious and powerful and most of all spiritual. We all love to get something new, right? I, Julie and I are, are, are saving now. Her, her car has got over 200,000 miles on it and we're thinking we're putting aside a little bit of money and saving so that maybe about a year from now, we can get a new car. Guess what we're doing right now? We're already dreaming about that day. Like a year from now when those savings will have risen to that point where we can go out and go to the, right? And we'll get a new car and it'll be a new body and it'll be completely different from that 200,000 mile auto body that she's got right now with the stings and scrapes 
and its torn carpets. See, in that very same way, only much bigger, that's how we should be looking to the day that Paul is describing here. The day that we get to go shopping and Jesus will bring us our new bodies. What a day that's going to be. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have gifted us with these amazing promises. Promises of a a huge victory, a day that is coming when you are going to give each of us bodies that are indestructible and glorious, powerful and spiritual. Lord, while we're still here, we hurt. We have great pain because we are sinners. Much of the time, Lord, we confess we bring that pain on ourselves by our rebelliousness against you and your will. And Lord, we once again, even though we've already done that once in this service, we just come back to you once again, Lord, and we sincerely and honestly pray, forgive us for our sinfulness and our rebellion. Forgive us, forgive us for what we contribute to the fallenness of this world. And Lord, we also ask that you would give us hope even through the fog and the, and the mist of our own physical weakness and spiritual weakness in this world, hope that one day you are going to make us perfect spiritual beings in perfect physical bodies. And what a day, Lord, that will be. We praise you for it. And may it give us hope for today and energy to, to put our gifts that we have now to work in this body of Christ called Crosswalk Church. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a look at your next step in the crosswalk. Take this verse home. Tape it to your, to your bathroom mirror. But thanks be to God. He gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that in Christ you can take it to the next level, or rather be taken to the next level, and look to him for victory. And know the Savior's love, the Savior's love, the Savior's love is bonding The Savior's love, the Savior's love, the Savior's love is at crosswalkphoenix.com